0: Our scripture lesson this morning comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. Hear now the word of the Lord. Rejoice, all pray constantly, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is the word of the people. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. sure if you feel the same way, but tis the season for cooking. Lots of meal planning and prep going on. Um, Yeah, I think my wife and I are a part of like three or four different Thanksgivings going on this week. I don't know how that, there used to only be one Thanksgiving and now there are so many of them and there's a different dish for any of them. My wife's specialty, by the way, pineapple cheese casserole. If you've never made that, oh my goodness. I know, I was a skeptic at first too. I'd never heard of this before, um, before we started dating. And she told me this, that this is like a staple of her family. I'm like This shouldn't be a staple for anything but it is absolutely delicious and sometimes we have to make an extra pan of it just for me because it's so good. So look at a pineapple cheese casserole. But there's all of this different, all of these foods that we prepare, all of these uh, bring out our specialty recipes, you know, break out the old family cookbooks, all of these recipes that we're thinking about during this time. And it got me thinking, I want to share a recipe with you this morning. And no, it's not the pineapple cheese casserole recipe or my specialty mac and cheese recipe, which is the blue box of Kraft. <laughs> no, it's, this is an ancient recipe, one that dates back almost 2,000 years, and it's very simple. The product, if you will, is joy. The ingredients, thanksgiving, and prayer. Pretty simple recipe, right? If you're looking to make, whip up yourself a little bit of joy, thanksgiving and prayer, that's it. Very simple recipe, you can take note of it if you would like, you know, I'm happy to share that. I'll probably write a blog that says something about how my great-great-grandmother started this recipe way back when, or that's, that's like what happens. If you search for a recipe online, like before you can ever see the recipe, you have to read somebody's life story in order to get to it. I don't know when that trend started. Very simple recipe. Thanksgiving, prayer, and joy. And so as we're talking about this recipe this morning, which, by the way, is provided for us courtesy of Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, as we go through our time together, there are going to be three expressions that I want you to memorize, okay? Three expressions, that's it. Very simple. Three expressions, but in addition to memorizing them, You're also going to have to say them out loud, because we're going to have a little bit of participation today, because it's fun. At least it's fun for me. I like hearing y'all participate. I don't know if y'all like it. (laughs) The first expression that I want you all to remember this morning is, give thanks. Can we say that together? Give thanks. Awesome. Excellent enthusiasm. Give thanks. Very simple. Now, interestingly enough, this isn't where Paul starts. With, uh, with this recipe in First Thessalonians 5. It says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks comes last. This is an inverted recipe, if you will. Uh, give thanks in all circumstances. There's no concept more simple than give thanks. In fact, that's like one of the very first things that we, uh, that we end up learning as children is to give thanks. There is also no concept more easily neglected to give thanks. In fact, I, I feel like if, I were, if you were to think about um, like you're with a, a young child and something just happened and you hear the words, what do we say? You expect that the child's going to say, Thank you. Yes. <laughs> I don't know why. That's just like, what do we say? Thank you. Very good. Excellent. Yeah, it's. but we give that little bit of a prompt because it is a very easily neglected concept to say thank you. So simple. So easy to forget, particularly in various circumstances. And I would imagine that whenever we behold a verse like this, this, 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, just looking at verse 18. Give thanks in all circumstances. That it would be pretty easy for us to neglect giving thanks in all circumstances. Because giving thanks in all circumstances requires a huge amount of intentionality. We actually have to think about it. We have to think about why we would give thanks. And also, it's pretty easy to tell when somebody's insincere about saying thank you, right? That's why in sign language when we say thank you, we smile, because otherwise we're like, mmm, yeah, alright. It requires intentionality to give thanks in all circumstances. Because not all circumstances do we see as worthy of giving thanks. And now, while I must admit that this concept is a little bit broad, there aren't all circumstances in which we should give thanks. For example, if somebody is brutally murdered, we should probably not be giving thanks in that kind of circumstance. You know, there there are certain caveats to all circumstances, but what this is getting at is asking us to be very intentional in all circumstances. To actually recognize What is worth being thankful for? In other words, to give thanks in all circumstances is to acknowledge God's grace in all circumstances. To be thankful for God's grace in all circumstances, right? Uh, The word uh, for give thanks that we see here comes from the Greek word eucharisto. Anybody ever heard of the word eucharist? Yeah, that's a pretty uh, common word in church vernacular. Um, Another word that we use for it is the great thanksgiving. The Eucharist is Holy Communion, which we celebrate the first Sunday of every month. Uh, And we have the term Eucharist, the great thanksgiving. Um, And if you turn in your hymnals to page 12, thank you. (laughs) Uh, You will see that's the title, the great thanksgiving, right? Because it is an act of giving thanks for the grace of God through Jesus Christ and Christ's sacrifice on our behalf. In all circumstances, Eucharist, give thanks. And I think it's important, as we get closer to Thanksgiving, to recognize that gratitude has incredibly powerful impacts on our brain. I mean, like, it's, it's unprecedented. Oops, I used that word in 2021. Uh, it's unprecedented how the uh, impacts of gratitude. It actually changes the physical structure of our brain. New neural pathways are connected uh, whenever we start practicing gratitude, and the, the 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 effects are so dramatic. We can actually trace how gratitude impacts us emotionally, socially, and believe it or not, physically. Gratitude even has physical health benefits. It's beautiful. Gratitude can lower blood pressure. It's astounding what all gratitude can do for us Uh, and the way that it actually changes our brain. Uh, You you want to try this for yourself. I would encourage you to do this. Think of somebody you hate. Don't lie, you've got somebody. (laughs) At least somebody you strongly dislike or somebody you can't tolerate. For me, it's everybody who drives in the left lane under the speed limit. <laughs> and as you're thinking about this person or these people, in my instance, say thank you in their direction. Just think about that. Whoever this might be, even if it's somebody you like really hate, even though we're not supposed to hate, we've all got somebody. And just say a word of thanks for them. It becomes increasingly more difficult to dislike somebody that we are thankful for. In fact, we turn that that strong dislike, we, we see that that strong dislike ends up turning a little bit more towards love. And we see that that little bit of dislike starts to turn toward joy when we see that person. So if you want to see the impacts of gratitude, I mean, that's like an easy one right there, is just start because it's very easy to pick out somebody that we do not like and then just say thank you for them. And then the second element in our recipe, and this is also the second expression that I would like for you to memorize today. You ready? Pray constantly. Can we say that together? Pray constantly. Is that possible? I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm really bad at praying, you know, just in general. But constantly? Like all the time? And, and I, I, I mean, certainly there we have these expressions like, yeah, you know, our lives are meant to reflect prayer. And yes, this is true. Uh, but I think we actually need to unpack a little bit more what prayer is. Right, And so if, if I were to just ask that out loud, here's another point of participation. If I were to ask, what is prayer? What do you think your answer would be? Communion with God, talking with God, yes, absolutely. Other thoughts? Or like, yeah, that sums it all up. Yeah, I mean, yes, absolutely. And another way to put this, John Wesley, the founder of modern-day United Methodism, uh, in his notes about this very passage, writes that prayer may be said to be the breath of our spiritual life. The breath of our spiritual life. There's nothing more basic in life than breath. You are not alive without breath. It's something that happens so naturally that like, from the moment a child is born, they understand the concept of breath may need a little bit of encouragement, but they understand the purpose of breath. I've got babies on the brain this morning because my sister had uh, her second child last night at like 3 a.m. Uh, 2.59 a.m., excuse me. <laughs> breath, it's so simple, so basic, but so needed, absolutely necessary. Every single day is made possible because of the breath in our lungs. Uh, but But not only do we think about what we breathe in, we also need to think about that breathing is a two-part exercise. It is both in and out. Let's try that. Can you breathe with me? In and out. Two-part action here. The breathing in sustains us. The breathing out restores us. When we breathe in, we take in O2, oxygen, a couple of other elements that are floating out there in the air, that our lungs put into our bloodstream to nourish every part of our body, Uh, head to toe. Every single part of our body is nourished because we do this action. But if you just stopped there, it'd be very painful because you have to do the (sighs) part of it which restores us. As we breathe out, we breathe out carbon dioxide, CO2, uh, with, uh, If you had too much of that in your body, well, it just kind of stops because that is carbon is not like our body's friend when it gets trapped into our bloodstream. Uh, so we breathe that out, right? And then our world has this beautiful way of turning it around and uh, the uh, trees and foliage soak up that CO2 and convert it back to oxygen to nourish us. And we have respiration. Wesley calls prayer the breath of our spiritual life and it's two parts. It is breathing in, which is receiving God, and breathing out, releasing to God. Breathing in, receiving God, re- uh, breathing out, releasing to God. We certainly have our supplications and the things that we ask for, but it's also important to receive God as well, to breathe God in, to take in that nourishment that sustains our, sp- our spiritual life quite frankly, our everything. And so I think that the most holy prayer that we can pray is one of thanksgiving. Even though it's so simple, I think that that might actually be the most holy prayer. Because, and I say this because we do get pretty used to asking for things. But to be thankful for something, to be thankful for everything, for all things, that takes intentionality, that takes acknowledging God's grace, that takes a recognition of who God is to us. The Eucharist, for example. One of the uh, most holy acts that we do in the life of the church. Only one of two, uh, one of only two sacraments that we practice in the United Methodist Church. The other being baptism. Holy communion is in itself a, a very extended prayer. Right, it's so beautiful. And as we consider... Thanksgiving, in which we say, do you remember the expression I asked you to memorize? Give thanks. Yes, awesome. And prayer, in which we memorized, pray constantly. These are the two elements of the recipe that leads to joy. And so the third expression that I would like for you to memorize today is rejoice always. All right, let's try that together. Rejoice always. Rejoice always. And this, this uh, concept here, to rejoice, embodies joy. Now, understand here, this caveat, this, uh, this uh, uh, discrepancy always needs to be unpacked. Joy is not the same as happiness. right? Happiness is fleeting. Joy is longstanding, enduring. Joy and happiness, they can look similar in many circumstances, but they are different concepts. Happiness is fleeting, and it always will be. Joy is long-standing and is more complex. And Paul says, rejoice always. I'm not going to lie. I don't know that every single circumstance is a cause for joy. The holidays, you know, we start singing that song and it's already on the radio. It's the most wonderful time of the year. And all the joy that comes with that but let's take a moment and, and be honest. It's not joyful for everybody. And it's not joyful all the time. There are all kinds of feuds that go on around the holidays and the complicated family dramas that we have to step into. Uh, and and if, if I can make a personal confession, I am absolutely terrified for the holidays this year. Honestly, uh, this is the very first holiday season that I've had to go through without my mom. And that sucks. Can I use that word in church? Oops. I did, yeah. But it does. I mean, that's, that's the honest truth of it. This is the first holiday season that I'm going to go through, and my mom's not going to be there. And I'm absolutely uh, thrilled for the fact that this holiday season, my wife and I get to meet our new nephew, James Edward Baker. But there's going to be that emptiness there. In fact, one of the things that we're doing just before Thanksgiving is we're going to be taking her uh, marker uh, for her ashes up onto a mountain. That's going to be really difficult. And I recognize that this is not a solo story. I'm not the only one who has this kind of story this season, or at all. We've been through the past two years have been horrendous. Many of us have lost loved ones these past couple of years, whether it be to the pandemic or to other circumstances. It's been heartbreaking. And many of us have lost loved ones far earlier in our lives. And we still come to this holiday season and we acknowledge that there is a brokenness, a hurt. It's complicated. It's not always joy. And so here I'm going to make a quick plug for uh, something. Ashland Place United Methodist Church on December 15th is going to be doing a longest night service, which is a service of lament Uh, recognizing that we have lost loved ones. And it's a service that takes that sorrow and acknowledges it before God. All are invited to this December 15th at Ashland Place, I think 6 o'clock p.m., but we'll have an actual announcement for it in our bulletin as we get into Advent. Um, But yeah, so I say that to say, Rejoicing always seems like a slap in the face to me as we get into this season, right? Because there are, going to be, there are going to be certainly joyous moments, but there are going to be some very complicated moments too, and some very difficult moments, and I'm terrified for that because I don't know how I'm going to handle it. I don't know what that's going to mean for our family. And, and, and it's important to recognize that rejoicing always, as Paul is calling us here to do, Is to acknowledge that our joy does not lie here. Would somebody like to turn in their bulletin to the very last line of the greeting? Somebody read that greeting for us. Becky did such a phenomenal job earlier, but one more time I want us to be reminded of that very last line in the greeting. Where is our joy? Amen. Thank you so much, Linda. Yes, our joy does not lie here. Our joy is with Christ, the King, who reigns eternally. And so we recognize in this recipe of, and remember your lines, give thanks and pray constantly that we get to the rejoice always part as we recognize that our joy is with God. And as we look for God around us, we find such joy in our everlasting connection with God, that which our prayer is. This joy is cultivated through a powerful process of reshaping how we experience the world. I told you that thanksgiving, uh, giving, actually being grateful, can dramatically reshape the way that our brain's physical structure looks like. Prayer can do the exact same thing in a slightly different way. Honestly, uh, go online and you can can search uh, FMRI of people who pray versus people who don't pray. They look different. A functional MRI looks different between people who pray and people who don't pray. It changes the physical structure of our brain. Y'all, this is, it's, it's astounding, right? To, to understand, prayer actually changes how our brain functions because it gears our attention outwardly, transcendently, as Thanksgiving does, right? It turns it from me to you. These are beautiful motions. And then I want to take us back to that recipe. As we're in the season of cooking and we're thinking about all these recipes, thanksgiving and prayer produces joy. Now there's one line of this entire thing that, uh, that I've failed to mention so far, and I've done so intentionally, so I guess I haven't failed. But, and that's the end of verse 18. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Whoa! Right? Yeah, I mean, we, we think about those prayers we ask, like, God, what do, you, what do you want me to do? What do you want from me? What do you want for me? What's my purpose in life? Like, boom, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 puts it very plain and simple. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances for this. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And so, my challenge for us this week is to seek the will of God for you. And if you want to know what the will of God for you is, it's a simple recipe, right? Give thanks. Pray constantly. Rejoice always. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. God desires utmost joy for you. And such joy comes from our unending prayers. Our prayers that can be composed of our thanksgiving. These prayers are a symphony of our gratitude. And this thanksgiving, this thanksgiving, like the holiday, this thanksgiving... I want you to actually give thanks for the grace of God in all things in your life. You know, a common practice at Thanksgiving is before the meal is even consumed is that everybody goes around and says something they're thankful for this year or something like that. Uh, Great practice, do that. Don't stop with that. Keep it going. Actually give thanks. Be grateful, intentional gratitude. And then make it a daily practice you're jumping into Black Friday. Go ahead and be thankful for Black Friday. Now, be thankful on Black Friday. And we get to Saturday, be thankful because the Tigers are going to be taking home the Iron Bowl champ- the Iron Bowl prize there. We will be thankful for that. I'm just going ahead and speaking that into existence. <laughs> And come Sunday, be thankful as we uh, have the sun rise on a new day and we come and find ourselves before God. Make this a daily practice of gratitude, of prayer, for joy, because it actually, literally, and I'm not using the word literally figuratively, I mean literally changes your life. So one more time, let's remember to give thanks, pray constantly. Rejoice always, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Let us pray.